continue uh, talking about what it takes to be a resilient disciple. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about some of the factors of what makes disciples resilient. Number one, love Jesus. That's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we touched on trusting scripture makes a resilient disciple. Today, we're going to dive into one of my very favorite topics. I could talk for probably two hours on this, so I'm going to have to hold myself back a lot, and that is engaging purpose. I absolutely love talking about this topic. Next week, we're going to be talking about meaningful relationships in the week after counter-cultural mission. And these are the things that make a resilient disciple. And I want you to hear this message, very much like what Rob said to you today. I want you to hear this message personally, not just as the message is coming out to the collective whole, but I want you to imagine that we're sitting having a coffee together, we're having a meeting in my office, I'm sitting in your living room, we're at Starbucks, and we're having a conversation about purpose. I want everyone to say, I have a purpose. Because it's important for you to know and to believe that you have a purpose, a God-given purpose from heaven to unfold on this earth. And to understand purpose, God takes each of us through the same process on purpose. Leadership Breakthrough coach Terry Walling has written a series of books that are helpful in understanding purpose. And if you're taking notes today and you love to read books, these books are called Awakening, Deciding, and Finishing. And these three books sort of explain the three stages that we go through over our lives. Now, again, these stages are not exactly linear. They can happen in different seasons. They're not exactly perfect. But typically, during our 20s and 30s, we're going to go through an awakening season. It's a season where we want to discover our purpose. Where am I headed? What is my purpose? Why am I here? What is the point of all of this? In our 20s and 30s, we're sort of trying to figure these things out, answer these questions, and define these things by trying all kinds of things. Through our 40s and 50s, we're entering into the deciding season, the deciding transition of our life. Am I making a difference in the world? Here at Life Center, we like to say, am I making a Jesus-sized difference in the world? Does my life really count? Of all the things that I can do, because by the time we get to our 40s and our 50s, we've done a lot of things. We've tried a lot of things. So of all the things I could do, what should I do? What should I be doing with this next season to really, really make my mark in the world? And then in our 60s and our 70s and our 80s and our 90s, we're entering into sort of what is called the finishing stage. Now, don't take that the wrong way. It's not finishing as in there's nothing left. But there is this question that I think we begin to ask in our 60s and our 70s. And if you talk to people in their 60s and 70s, they're asking, what do I do with everything that I've learned? I have so much to give. I've learned so much over my life. Who can I invest this into? Who can I pour this into? How can I share everything that God has entrusted into my life? And how can I pour it into so someone can learn from that and grow from that and really step into their purpose through that? And so we go through these different seasons and these different stages. And purpose is this ongoing journey throughout all of our lives of listening to the Holy Spirit and beginning to take steps of faith as we listen to the moving of the Holy Spirit in our life. And you can expect purpose to be refined by God a few times over your life. And this begins with direction. And we talk a lot about direction. All through our summer series, as we were talking about the purples, we're talking about 
Are we in the direction of Jesus? Are we facing, leaning into what he is saying to what he is leading? Direction has to do with gaining clarity. And there's so many different markers along the way that give us clues as to why, we're, why were we, we were created. The first one of these, there's so many, there's so many different ones, but the first one is our stage of life, okay? So our stage of life actually has both gifts and limits within it, but both of the gifts and the limits in the stage of life that you are in are part of your God-given purpose. Have you ever imagined that? How many have, of us have despised a stage of life that we're in? Maybe it's the stage of life of being a teenager and not having enough autonomy and not being able, not having enough money and not having, and you see all the limitations in your life. Maybe you enter into your 20s and you're single and you want to be married and you see this as such a limitation. I can't move forward in my life until I find someone. Maybe it's having young kids and all of a sudden you're tied down by this little baby that 24-7 needs you. And we don't recognize that in every single stage and in every single season, no matter what it is, keep going. Now we have school-age kids. I had four kids in five years, so I went through an intense, well, went through I am. Now I'm raising adult children. That's my stage of life. We have all of these responsibilities, our responsibilities at work. They provide both gifts and limitations, and we have to bring them before the Lord to be able to recognize, God, what is the gift in this season, and what are the limitations that you have placed in my life because of what you've called me to steward? As long as we're looking out the window to what is possible, to what we can't what we can't actually have, we can't actually see what is right in front of us that God wants to do with what he's given us. Now, what about our spiritual gifts? 1 Corinthians 12 says, to each has been given a different gift by the same spirit. So as we look around this room right now, every single one of us have different gifts, different gifts to bring to the table, different gifts to offer. And it is meant to be lived out in the body of Christ. We're meant to be a body, all playing a different part of the body in unison with one another. Entrustments and deposits. Every stage of life, we must evaluate what's been placed in our hands. So our home, our family, our responsibilities at work, what has God given you, entrusted to you to steward? Now, I'm going to give you a really practical example of this. How many have a kitchen table and chairs at their house? How many have a kitchen table and chairs? So have you ever prayed, God, how am I stewarding my kitchen table and my chairs? Who am I inviting into this space? Who am I serving food with? Who am I having fellowship with? How many have a spare bedroom in your house that nobody, nobody sleeps in? You just have an extra bedroom no one, no one uses or sleeps in. Have you ever prayed, could I be the answer to the housing crisis? Right here in Ottawa, we, we are in a housing crisis. You might have an answer right in what God has entrusted into your hands to something that is happening right in our city right now. God-given burdens. All right, here's a question for you. What angers you? What frustrates you? What really, really gets you steamed? That is a clue to the burdens, the God-given burdens that are placed on your life. And maybe, just maybe, God has actually placed you here in the world to be an answer to the very thing that angers you the most. What about negative preparation? All right, I want you to think of the life of Joseph, okay? 
And I know that you could probably tell me stories. So Joseph had his brothers throw him in a pit. He was sold into slavery. He went into prison. But what did God say at the end of his story? What the enemy meant for evil, I want to use for good for the saving of many lives. For some of you to, no, not for some of you, for every single one of us today. That is our call of purpose. That what the enemy has used for evil in your life. The hard things that have happened to you through no fault of your own have been the negative preparation that God wants to use in your life to do something good for the saving of many lives. That's the call for every single one of us and our purpose here on earth. And finally, all the lessons that we have learned along the way. You know, at one point in our life, and this probably hits us differently over the course of our life, we start to get it. Life starts to make more sense. The lessons that we have learned over many, many years start to make more sense, and we want to use them for God's kingdom. And I'm convinced that if you have given your life to Jesus, if you have had a moment where you have said, God, not my will, but yours be done, then the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that gives you supernatural power to do the things that you could never do on your own. How many here like superhero movies or video games? You like superhero movies, video games? Just give me a wave. I got a few hands out there. Well, when we receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, it's almost like we get a superpower, that all the natural things that are in our life, the gifts that God has given us, God literally invites us into a supernatural world, and we're awakened to what's taking place beyond what we see in the natural realm. And every time we participate with life, for example, when we choose kindness, when we choose forgiveness, guess what happens? Ping, we power, we power up, we level up. We, we literally push back darkness, and we step into a supernatural space of bringing God's kingdom here on earth. That's what happens when we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so often we don't recognize it. So often we don't see it. And you know what's so fascinating about God's kingdom is that as we level up, as we power up, as again, this it's like, it's like a light orb gets bigger and bigger and bigger all around us. Guess what? It's not in comparison to anybody else. You don't become better than the person sitting beside you. No, not at all. In fact, you, our flesh becomes smaller and smaller and smaller, and God gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and we begin to serve the way that we were designed to serve. In Christ, we have come alive, awakened to something new in our salvation, and it isn't just a better version of you. It's something completely new. What did Jesus say? That you were born again. You were born again. And even if you don't know how God is doing this in your life, if you don't know exactly what your purpose is, it is most likely that you are already using it in many ways. And the more that we can discover it and the more that we can understand it, it just helps us to be more intentional to be able to bring that gift to the world. Now, there's no one that has set a better example for us of one who, has full, who, fully, who fully accomplished his purpose than Jesus. And I know for most of us, we would say, oh, sure, well, of course he did. He was God. Of course he did it perfectly. But the scriptures actually tell us that God came in the form of man and that he can sympathize with 
every weakness that we have had. He came in the form of humanity so that he could feel what it feels to be human, which means he put down his divinity and he had to use the empowerment of the spirit and spiritual gifts just like you and I did. And he fully submitted to the Father's will. How many times do we see Jesus say, I only do what I see the Father doing? He fully in a sense, limited, I know this is controversial, what you're saying Jesus was limited? Well, he was limited to what he saw the Father doing. And that's exactly what he's inviting us to participate in ourselves. A clear example of direction in the life of Jesus is evident in Luke 9.51, when in all that he is doing, he begins to make his way to Jerusalem, to the cross. And I want you to listen to how it's read in three different translations of the Bible. It says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. In the NIV version, it says, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And in the message version, it says, he gathered up his courage and steeled himself for the journey to Jerusalem. I know you know what it's like to gather up your courage and steel yourself to go in the direction you feel God calling you. You see, Jesus' direction was only on what the Father wanted him to do, and he was completely and utterly dependent on it and surrendered to it. And sometimes when I think about this for my own life, I wonder, is this actually possible for us? Like, is this possible for us to enter into the way that Jesus did? Because I don't know about you, but the war of my flesh and my spirit is so intense that I'm not sure if I can actually do it. But Jesus gave us two gifts in order to empower us to do this. And the first is the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could go and do the things that he has prepared in advance for us to do. And the second gift, he gave us the body of Christ. Look around this room. In this room are the answers, part of the answers to you stepping in to your divine purpose. You see, every choice we make sets a direction And this principle works both spiritually and naturally. Like, for example, when I wake up early in the morning to spend time with God, whether it's in HeartStrong or whether it's on my own, I am setting course for my day. I'm setting a direction for my day. When I take time to prep my meals, I'm setting a direction for my life. When I oversleep or I overeat or I overwork or I overthink, I'm setting a direction for my life. When I serve in church, or I step out in faith, or I reach out to a friend, I'm setting a direction. And even when Netflix so rudely shames me by saying, are you still watching that? Did you ever get that notification? Yes, I am, okay? I just watched four hours of Downton Abbey, okay? Yeah, yeah, I am still watching that. It's so rude, so condescending. I don't know why she does that. It's very rude, but I'm setting a direction for my time. And so the question is, Is the direction that we have set leading us toward or away from our purpose? It's not just about, do I like what I'm doing or not? No, it goes so much deeper than that. It's what direction are my choices leading me in? And is that the direction that I want as a part of my greater calling? Is that who I want to be? Is that who God wants me to be? You see, our direction informs our decisions. So when Jason and I travel, 
we each make different decisions and different priorities about how the trip is gonna go. For example, Jason will take care of all of the details like the passports, making sure all the paperwork. He goes in online and he sets all of our seats on the plane and he makes sure we're pre-board, all the things, okay? All, I don't even know what the things are because I don't do them, he does. If we're driving somewhere, he's mapped out the route on the GPS, everything is planned and prepared. And like, I have to be honest that like there have been times when I don't travel with him that, you know, I get into the car and I'm going somewhere that I've never been before and I just start driving. I just start driving. I don't even think to put the GPS on. And sometimes I even get, because I'm kind of like, I kind of know the direct, I know, I know I'm heading east, so I'll find it. And, and then sometimes I get so engrossed in my music or I get so engrossed in my conversation that I literally just drive right past the exit and I have to turn around. It's, it's happened many, many times. And I always thank the Lord for Jason. I always thank the Lord for him, for when, he, when I travel with him because he takes care of all these things. But I do have something to bring to the table too. So when we travel, I prepare the experiences. So I am doing all the research about what are we going to do when we get there. And I've got everything mapped out and I've looked up all the best restaurants and all the best attractions and how we're going to literally pack as much as possible into the vacation because we are, we have an, well, I shouldn't say we, I'm really the only one that has the expression in our family. And it's, have you sucked the marrow out of this day? We are going to suck the marrow out of this vacation. And so that's, I, not everybody likes it, but that's what I bring to the table. But together, together, again, decisions, we have the most amazing vacations together. Now, Jesus' decisions moving toward Jerusalem, I want you to notice the decisions that one who lives a focused, knowing his purpose, life makes. So he set his face, he gathered his courage, he steeled himself for the journey. Decisions are about seeing our critical choices, the issues that might prevent us from making wise choices or values becoming clear, or even understanding why you're making the decisions you make. You see, Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem, and this requires him to say yes to some things, but also to say no to some things. He teaches his disciples with a greater sense of urgency. You begin to see his prayers have this great intensity to them, and he models servant leadership with greater clarity because he knows his time is coming to an end. Jesus knows his purpose is moving in a specific direction and trusts his Father to establish his steps and the work of his hands. Now, if we were at a self-help seminar today or a leadership talk on decisions or goal settings, I might direct this conversation to our behaviors or, you know, our values or setting, you know, your BHAGs. Have you heard of your BHAGs, your big, hairy, audacious goals? You know, there's so many incredible authors with lots of great information on how to do this, but I am here to tell you that there is no self-help book that is going to catapult you into your God-given destiny. And there is no behavior change that's going to enable you to see your place in the world from God's perspective. That, no, my friends, is a divine and supernatural encounter with the living God and a daily choosing to surrender to God's will and God's ways through spending time with him. 
You know, stepping into your purpose isn't always going to be easy. Sometimes we think, oh, if I'm in my purpose, I'm just going to love it. And it's going to be so fulfilling and I'm going to be happy all the time. No, this is hard work. Think of what Jesus had to do. Think of what he was going to do. Do you think he wanted to do that? No, but he did. And it brought the ultimate fulfillment to all of the promises, to everything that we see and we're still speaking about here today. You see, this is contested space. There's a very present darkness that's literally trying to rob you every single day of your purpose by disqualifying you based on your past, by diminishing what you have to bring to the table and through comparison one to another. And what we saw in the life and the person of Jesus was this absolute resolute direction and submission to the Father's will, which enabled the decisions that Jesus made always to be aligned to his God-given purpose. And God wants us wants that for us too. Proverbs 6.19 says, The heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Psalm 90 says, Let the favor of the Lord God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Now, some of you think that you can't even make plans. Like you've got to even just pray about even making plans. But the scriptures actually say the heart of a man plans his ways. Go ahead, make some plans. But God establishes his steps. God is the one that directs and establishes his steps. You can make some plans. And yes, pray about the plans you're making. But make your plans and let God ordain and establish the steps that you're going to walk. You know, some of you are hoping that God's going to open a door that you're not even knocking on yet. Go and knock on the door. And if God wants to open the door, he's going to open the door. And if the door shuts, knock again or knock on a different door. But begin to make your plans and let God establish your steps. You know, one of my daughters, Emma, since she was a child, she's been this woman of faith. She's rightly named Emma Faith. Her name means whole, complete faith, confidence in God. And since, since she was a child, she's always asked for big things. I mean, like, like big things that are literally like on a bit of a ridiculous scale, like to the point where as a parent, we're like, stop being so entitled. Can't you just be grateful for what you have? You know, like it, it gets the negative reaction. Action. And honestly, like we would be out at a friend's house and Emma would be having a great time. And then she would come and she would say, mom, um, can I go play with the neighbor uh, when we get home? Can we stop at McDonald's when we get like always thinking about what she wants to do next, like not just living in the present, just enjoying where we are, always thinking about and asking for more and asking for more and asking for more. She literally said to me when she was 15, she goes, Mom, for, the, for my 16th birthday, I want to go to California. I'm like, that is not in the realm of realistic, affordable. You're not going to California. I, sh- I want to go, go on my own with Ali and my cousin. That, like, that is not going to happen. I don't even, like, get that out of your mind. I don't even know why you're saying that. Well, literally it dawned on me one day, that if she asks for like a hundred things in a day, okay, she might get 98 no's, but she might get two yeses, okay? Whereas my other daughter, Allie, she doesn't ask for anything. She never asks for anything. And so she always says, why does Emma always get everything? Well, she never asks for anything. And Emma gets 98 no's and two yeses. And literally I realized, wait a second, wait a second. 
Man makes their plans and God orders their steps. What if you literally ask God for 98 things and you got 100 things and you got 98 no's, but you got two yeses. You got two yeses that maybe you wouldn't have got if you never asked. This incredible faith literally ingrained in this kid. Well, guess what? Grandma and grandpa happened to be in Arizona when Emma was turning 16 and said, hey, why don't the girls come meet us in California? She got to go to California when she was 16. Did any of my other kids get to go on a trip for their 16th birthday? No, just her, the only one, because she asked a woman of great faith. And you know what? The prayer of all of our hearts is for God to establish the work of our hands. That is a prayer for all of us. So direction informs our decisions. And our decisions deform, inform, not deform, inform our definition. So when direction becomes clear and we begin to work through the decisions of obedience and surrender and trust and allow God to refine our disobedience, our stubbornness, our lack of trust, this alignment process is used by God to bring greater definition to our purpose and to our lives. So definition is all about awareness. Who am I? Who am I becoming? We are becoming more aware of the work of the Spirit in and through our lives. And we begin to accept who we are and who we're not. It helps us to work through unhealthy limits of fear and shame and perfection while accepting God's gift of limits. I do only what I see my Father doing. And in the life of Jesus, we see this defining moment in the garden overlooking Jerusalem. In Luke 22, where, where Jesus says, He withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You see, Jesus, who knows who his father is, and he knows who he is, and he knows what he's come to do, and is honest with the weight of it. Jesus surrenders it all, surrenders all of his will to the will of his father through the work of his life. I just need to blow my nose. Thank you, friends. I don't know what it is about preaching. It makes my nose run. <laughs> I don't have a cold or anything. Jesus, and so what's so fascinating about this, in Luke 2, we see over the course of Jesus' life that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. That is a powerful statement that Jesus himself literally increased in wisdom and favor and stature. And again, as we work out and walk out our God-given purpose, this is exactly what we want to see happening in our lives. And this comes through our deepening, the deeper places that we go in our relationship with God. And it's almost as though at critical times in our lives, there are these two doors that we could walk through. There's an invitation to go deeper with God. Often it comes through a frustrating period of our lives, okay? But there's an invitation to go deeper with God in deeper intimacy with him. And other times there's an invitation to do something different, something that is not going to lead us into a deeper walk with God. And going deeper is all about gaining situational clarity and sovereign perspective. What if you asked yourself this question today? How... Lord, how are you using my current season, the current events that are taking place in my life, my current circumstance to deepen my trust with you? What if you asked God that question specifically about the circumstances that you're like, I just want to get out of this. 
How is God using this to deepen your trust? What invitations are you receiving from the Lord in your current walk right now? You see, this deeper space is cultivated in our alone time with God, and it's practiced and it's lived out in our relationship with other people. We must prioritize that is our direction and our decisions in spending time with God to really, truly discover our purpose. You see, even when we choose something different, we must enter a space of recognizing that we have walked away from what God has established for us. And we must take a moment to be able to say, Lord, Lord, I've walked away from the invitation to go deeper with you, and I'm sorry. Would you put me, would you set course my direction yet again on the path that you are inviting me into? You see, to gain clarity in our purpose, we can expect God to lead us into a refining process where he speaks to us about our direction and our decisions and our definitions, ultimately to lead us to something deeper. And I want you to look around the room today again. And I want you to see people of all ages and from all different stages and walks of life. And what if part of the answer to you discovering the fullness of your God-given purpose is actually right here in this room, to be discovered in relationship with one another? There are people that have gone before you, that have something to share with you, to offer to you, to minister to you, to help you step fully into all that God has created you for. You see, purpose is meant to be worked out together in community with one another. I'm going to invite Pastor Sarah back to lead us in that song, Make Room Again. And I want to invite you to allow your decisions and your direction and your definition to be found in these words. Lord, here's where I lay it down. Every burden, every crown, this is my surrender. You see, because we have to embrace a surrender moment in order to fully walk in the fullness of the purpose that God has destined us for. We've got to be able to lay down what we think we want to do, our wants, our desires, and say, God, not my will, but yours be done. And I want you to, I want you to reflect on this as we sing this song, and I'm just going to pray for you. I'm going to invite you to stand, and I'm going to pray for you. Father, we thank you so much for your invitations that are happening every single day all around us. The invitations and the gifts of our current life stage, the invitations and the gifts that you are inviting us into deeper relationship with you. God, would you open her eyes to be able to see them, to not to dis despise the current situation or the current circumstance that we're in, but to ask you, God, how, how and where are you inviting me into a deeper trust relationship with you? Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can truly reveal the fullness of our purpose, our God-given created purpose. And so I pray right now and over the weeks to come that revelation would come, that you would shift our perspective on where we are at, on what is happening in our lives, and give us your perspective on how you've created and called us to be. Help us to see what it is that you have given us to bring to the world, to help in the work of making all things new. And we thank you today. We thank you for the good works that you have prepared in advance for us to walk. And as we leave this place today, 
God, may we see them, may we walk in them, and may we walk in the fullness of your purpose and your plans for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.